You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Coals. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to the program today. I'm so glad you've joined me. The Atacama Desert in South America very seldom receives any rain. It has the reputation of being the driest place on planet Earth, with an average of one millimetre of rain per year. Now, I've heard of prolonged droughts in the Australian outback, where after many years of dry, it began to rain. Puzzled children asked their parents, What's that stuff coming out of the sky? Likewise, probably many city children have never seen an open fire because their homes are heated by gas or electricity. It's one of my genuine pleasures to go camping in the bush occasionally, and it's wonderful to sit around a campfire while waiting for a potato or jaffle to cook and chatting to friends and watching the shapes and colours that can be seen in the fire. Regretfully, many city children never experience the outback, let alone enjoy camping and sitting around a fire. Some types of timber, like native pine, burn quickly and often throw out sparks. The best wood for a campfire is red gum or mallee. Red gum produces a lot of radiant heat and instead of turning to ash forms beautiful glowing coals which produce a lot of heat and are ideal for cooking or making toast. Today I want to draw some spiritual lessons from coals. There are 24 verses in the Bible that mention coals. And one of the most misunderstood of these is Romans 12.20. And Romans 12.20 is a direct quote from the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 25 and verse 22. So here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. What a strange verse. Firstly, it says we should do good to our enemies, and then what seems to be an act of aggression to do bad to him or her by putting burning coals on their head. Isn't this in opposition to what Jesus instructed? He said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You can read that in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Strangely, to put coals of fire on someone's head is not a hostile act. It's an act of goodwill. How's that? you might be thinking. Well, no doubt you've seen pictures of people carrying things like water pots on their heads. In some cultures, that is still carried on as normal practice. In olden times, in Bible lands, 
It was common for people to carry water jars, baskets of fruit, vegetables, fish or other articles on their heads. If an enemy allows their cooking fire to go out in the night and discovers there's nothing to heat the morning meal with, it wasn't a simple matter to grab some new newspaper and a few sticks and a box of matches to start the fire again. Matches, newspaper, fire lighters or cigarette lighters didn't exist back then. To start a fire from scratch was a difficult and prolonged process. The easiest way to start a fire was to get some glowing coals from someone else's fire. So if in the morning your enemy comes to your house and asks if you have some hot coals to spare, the Bible says that instead of refusing them and telling them to get lost, the beautiful thing is to share some of the coals from your fire. But how would that person carry burning coals on their head? Simple. Back then, most housewives would have had a little baked clay stove called brazier. It was shaped something like a big pot-bellied clay vase with an enclosed bottom, a fire hole near the middle, and an open top. A pan would normally be placed on top and the small fire would be underneath. Braziers could be carried safely on people's heads. So a good person would be willing to give even an enemy some of her coals for the neighbour to cook breakfast. But did you notice that the verse said to heap the coals? That meant not just to give one or two coals, but to be generous to that person, the enemy. What a beautiful expression. What a beautiful thing to do. Now, what would be the results of such actions? We'll come to that soon, but first I want to present to you two other ideas about heaping burning coals on your enemy's head. And this has been expressed by a certain Mr. Jeremy Myers. He says, and I quote, some pastors and Bible teachers have gone to great hermeneutical contortions trying to explain how it be a good thing to light a fire on your enemy's head. And this is probably an extreme Christian view. I hope so anyway. But most commentaries I've read on this text interpret the burning coals in some sort of figurative way so that it refers to something along the lines of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, or a searing of the mind with the truth of God's word, or bringing upon your enemy a red face of shame, or something like that. Regardless, most Christian teachers believe that heaping coals on the head of your enemy refers to some kind of pain or punishment inflicted upon your enemy. End of quote. Now, there are two ideas that emerge from this. The first is that heaping burning coals on someone's head may mean shaming them. The other meaning is that their mind is scorched 
making way for the Holy Spirit to influence them. Friends, while there may be some truth in those two alternative explanations, I believe the meaning which I explained to you earlier provides a proper understanding of that text. So, earlier I asked the question, what would be the results of doing things of goodwill and kindness to one's enemy? The simple answer is that your enemy would soon become your friend. You would have no enemies. The advice to do good to one's enemies is so brilliant, so profound, and Jesus said we are to love our enemies, and that's going even further than doing good to one's enemies. It means to give them a place in your heart and to think of them with affection. When one has an enemy, it is usually because that person has wronged you, although sometimes you may have wronged someone else. There will inevitably be one party who doesn't forgive the other. Instead of love, there's hate. But hate is destructive. When we are unable to forgive someone who's wronged us, it is psychologically and physically damaging. Yes, it ruins your sleep. It ruins your health. It ruins your concentration and ruins your outlook. To not be able to give, forgive is quite harmful to you if you're the innocent party. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 and 32 has some very good advice. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. One reason we should forgive others is because we have been forgiven our sins. This is highlighted in the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Straight after Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he added something of grave importance in verses 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. Now, I want to share a true story about forgiveness. And it's about a woman named Pascal Kavanagh. As children, Pascal and her younger brother endured constant torments from their mother. Pascal says she would hit me and my younger brother, fling plates in our direction and call us names. My father tried to get between her and us, but she wouldn't spare him either. Pascal's parents were both successful doctors, but their home life was deeply troubled. 
She says, my mother had an abusive childhood, so maybe as a result she subjected me and my brother, who was severely autistic, to her constant drama. The harassment extended even into adulthood. When Pascal went off to college, her mother would call her once a week to criticise her. She says she criticised my appearance, my friends, my academics. I felt that she was driving me over an emotional ledge. After graduation, Pascal moved across the country away from her parents. There, she eventually got married, and in 2002 had a daughter of her own, Sophie. Pascal hoped that Sophie's birth would soften her mother. No such luck. Once Sophie was five, she became independent-minded, and her behaviour set my mother off, says Pascal. Her rages returned, now directed at Sophie. Pascal sought help from therapists. I wanted this relationship to stop causing constant pain in my life, she says, and we'll go on with that story straight after the break. If I have wounded some poor soul today, if I have caused one foot to go astray, if I Thank you. 
Well, so far, I've been telling you about the troubles that Pascal had with her mother and Sophie with her grandmother. But she says in 2010, at the age of 73, her mother suffered severe, massive and consecutive strokes. Her brain was irreparably damaged. Arriving at the hospital, Pascal was shocked to find her mother unable to communicate or even understand language. As the only relative capable of caring for her mother, because Pascal's father and brother had both died, she felt duty-bound to help. So she sat by her mother's side around the clock, reading books aloud and just talking, though not sure what, if anything, her mother could understand. And she said, at first I was angry. I felt she had left a mess that I had to take care of. But as the months went by, her fury at her mother, who was now in such a vulnerable state, slowly dissipated. Finally, one day, an exhausted Pascal suddenly laid her head down in her mother's lap, and the hatred went away. It was just gone, she said. For the first time, I stopped condemning her, and that gave me peace. Forgiving her mother also helped Pascal, who now owns a personal health and wellness consulting firm, and it helped her let go of other resentments, such as a rift with her ex-husband, with whom she split in 2007. She said, I've become less interested in holding on to all forms of bitterness. Pascal's mother remains in a vegetative state, but Pascal visits her at the nursing home weekly. I see now that forgiveness is not so much about what you receive from people, she says, but what you give them. To be able to forgive may not always be easy, but not being able to forgive is not easy either. It is destructive. When someone cannot forgive, they continue to be the victim of the situation. When one is able to forgive, you become the master of the situation and you set yourself free from all the heartache, depression, worry and revenge that is built up inside. Now, here is some good advice from the staff of the Mayo Clinic, regarded by many as the best hospital in the United States. Mayo Clinic has a staff of doctors and scientists of over 4,700, and here's what they say. Who hasn't been hurt by the actions or words of another? Perhaps a parent constantly criticised you growing up 
or a colleague sabotaged a project, or your partner had an affair, or maybe you've had a traumatic experience, such as being physically or emotionally abused by someone close to you. These wounds can leave you with lasting feelings of anger and bitterness, even vengeance. But if you don't practice forgiveness, you might be the one who pays most dearly. By embracing forgiveness, you can also embrace peace, hope, gratitude and joy. Consider how forgiveness can lead you down the path of physical, emotional and spiritual well-being. But what is forgiveness? Well, forgiveness means different things to different people. Generally, however, it involves a decision to let go of resentment and thoughts of revenge. The act that hurt or offended you might always be with you, but forgiveness can lessen its grip on you and help free you from the control of the person who harmed you. Forgiveness can even lead to feelings of understanding, empathy and compassion for the one who hurt you. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting or excusing the harm done to you or making up with the person who caused the harm. Forgiveness brings a kind of peace that helps you go on with life. And I want to share with you a little personal experience. Some years ago, two of our children, both boys, belonged to a children's club, and it was run very well. The leader was uh, capable, and the children enjoyed going to the club. However, that same leader was a pedophile and interfered with two of our boys. And... Um, we didn't realise about this, first of all, until our younger son uh, told us after several years what had happened. Well, you can imagine the surprise that we had. Well, as it turned out, this particular individual had to go to court and was sentenced to uh, pr imprisonment. I think he had four and a half years in prison. But you know, you can't hold on to those feelings of uh, revenge and so on. And we've let that go. And now it doesn't affect our lives at all. Yes, we know it happened. And uh, we just, for our own sake, have let it go. And as far as we're concerned, he is forgiven. So what are the benefits of forgiving someone? Well, letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness can lead to eight different benefits. And here they are. Number one, healthier relationships. Number two, improved mental health. Number three, Less anxiety, stress and hostility. Number four, 
Lower blood pressure. Number five, fewer symptoms of depression. Six, a stronger immune system. Seven, improved heart health. And number eight, improved self-esteem. You know, those who regard the Bible as an antiquated and irrelevant book are quite short-sighted and, in my opinion, are quite ignorant. The Bible is God's word, and God knows much more than all the people who have ever lived on the earth. The values and principles expounded in the Bible are foundational for a good, happy life. The Bible is truth. It is as relevant today as ever it has been, and you would do well to read it and practice what it teaches. Therefore, said Jesus, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and you will receive significant benefits as well. So, until next time then, this is Len, wishing you God's blessings as you live and follow the Word of God, the Bible. I'm sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despair and cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me all my heart to him i give Ever to him I'll cling In his blessed presence live Ever his praises sing Love so mighty and so true Merits my soul's best songs Faithful loving service to To him belongs Love lifted me Love lifted me When Nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me could help love lifted me love lifted me love lifted me